So what we've been doing is, again, providing a lot of cash for work opportunity, hiring up people, getting money in people's pockets, getting them out on the streets to start clearing by hand some of the damage that's been done to we're focusing on hospitals and schools. Hundreds of hospitals and schools are completely destroyed, servicing the poorest neighborhoods in these rural areas. So the faster we can clear them out and get you know temporary structures in place, the better. Hello, friends and damn givers. Welcome to Let's Give a Damn. I'm your host, Nick LaPara. And on this show, I sit down for conversations with volunteers, nonprofit leaders, business leaders, activists, politicians, actors, musicians, athletes, and all kinds of people who are giving a damn and striving to live meaningful lives. Thanks to each and every one of you for showing up. I'm so glad you're here. Before we begin, I'd like to ask for you to support us in one of two ways today. Really briefly, it would mean a lot for you to go and leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on whichever platform you listen to the podcast on. And if you've already done that, would you mind sending this episode or whichever one is your favorite to a friend or two? We are a small company and small team, and we rely heavily on you to spread the word. So if you think we're doing good, please spread the word. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This week on the podcast, I am bringing back my friend, one of my heroes, and the CEO of Core Response, Anne Lee, for an important update on all that is happening in Haiti. As we all know, a massive 7.2 magnitude earthquake rocked Haiti on August 14. Core, per usual, immediately sprang into action and got to work. You'll hear much more about exactly what they are doing in this short conversation today. I hope you'll listen intently and consider what and how much you can contribute to CORE and other groups that are doing so much good during this incredibly hard time for the people and country of Haiti. Before we jump in, a quick reminder, as always, that you can anytime and for any reason, email me at hello at letsgiveadam.com. You can ask questions, suggest future guests, anything really. I just love hearing from you. And now, let's get right into my conversation with the incredible Ann Lee. Let's go. Ann Lee, welcome back to the Let's Give a Damn podcast. Thanks, Nick. Happy to be here. I am so grateful for your time. Uh, I know you've been running sort of a marathon uh, since this, uh, earthquake in Haiti a few days ago. Um, so again, thank you for getting back to the U S and get hopping on with me. We really appreciate, I appreciate it because I, I know you're your friend, but I know that so many of the let's give a damn listeners and let's give it in family. They're looking for ways to contribute and help. And so for those that want to know more about Anne's story, they can listen to the first round of uh, conversation that we had a few months ago so they can learn more about your story. I want to jump over that today, though, because we've got a lot to discuss in a few minutes just about what's happening right now and uh, what's what's actually going on on the ground. Everybody that is listening, or I, I presume everybody's listening, is hearing things through the media, right? That's how they're getting their information right now. They see it on CNN, Fox, whatever. And they're getting all secondhand information, but you've been there. You've uh, been in everything that's happening right now. So um, last time you and I talked, and we were talking about all of the testing 
and then the 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 uh, you know vaccinations that Core was hosting all over the country. I mean, millions of tests, and I think millions also vaccinations. Um, so much incredible work that was being done there. What is happening right now? I mean, I guess I guess what let's let's begin with this. On the day that the earthquake happened. How do, how do things evolve in a an organization like CORE? As soon as you hear about what's happening, obviously you all are already planted in Haiti in so many different ways, but what's sort of happening in your day and in the day of your team as you begin to figure out, okay, shit, this thing just happened, we've got to respond. What's sort of happening that first day? Our teams have, unfortunately, um, have had a lot of experience in disaster response in Haiti. So they're very plugged in with the local governments. And in this area that was hit as well, it was hit in 2018 with Hurricane Matthew and really wiped out a lot of homes. So this is an area that unfortunately keeps seeing these disasters. It's the breadbasket of Haiti um, and a number of issues that were kind of layered um, in Haiti had, had created a situation where, you know, our teams were very much in constant contact with the local government and the Department of um, Civil Protection. So the first day, like within hours, the first thing that our teams did was essentially contact all of their partners and, and our old staff and our current staff that are in the, the hard hit areas, as well as the um, local government. That's, you know, mayors, um, the commune leaders, and then also the de head of Department of Civil Protection and um, Public Works. Our teams have, you know, knowledge of the area. So before we even reacted, uh, uh, you know, in uh, in Los Angeles and in, Los in in the United States, our teams were already organizing themselves to start heading out. They contacted our longtime partner Haytrack, which is the local subsidiary of Caterpillar, and got their hands-on equipment, um, operators, and already were rolling out within 12 hours. They were already in the hard-hit areas with heavy equipment, making sure that all the roads were clear. Um, what often happens in Haiti is that with landslides and, you know, through hurricanes, and, and in this case with an earthquake, a lot of the, the arterial roads to even get to some of the cities and some of these areas get completely blocked. So our first right. priority within the first 24 hours is to make sure that humanitarian assistance can get through um, by clearing out using our heavy equipment. And they were out there very quickly. Can you give us a picture of all of the, con you, you just mentioned, I mean, even down to clearing roads and making sure vehicles uh -huh. and people can get through. What are, what's the range of things that you all have been doing over the past few days? Cause I know it's, I mean, it's not just one thing you, every time I see a new sto uh, Instagram story pop up or a photo from you or Sean or the team, it's something completely different. It's partnering, you know, food, it's clearing roads, it's all sorts of things. So what are some of the things that you all have been doing over the past few days? Well, the first wave is again, clearing roads and providing access to these areas. And then our medical uh, mobile units are out there. We had three and then we created four at the end of the day um, to get out to those areas to make sure that people were getting immediate care. Um, again, because, you know, we were, we are familiar with some of these areas. We knew where the hard hit um, communities were. And so they were sent there as a priority and, you know, they were basically triaging for things that they couldn't, um, they weren't able to address, for example, you know, broken femurs and, you know, emergency bleeding out, 
they transported them in the back of our, our, our vehicles to the closest hospital, which were also overrun. So initially providing medical care, and then we provided support to the largest um, hospital in that south, southern area to kind of help decompress all of the emergency patients that they were seeing as well. So not just doing it in the field on the ground, but also, you know, sort of the intake um, hospital as well. We were supporting through um, four volunteer doctors that came from the United States with additional um, medicine, with tarps to kind of, you know, just organize the space and provide support through through um, that uh, in, in that manner. Um, on top of that, you know, we have a lot of folk who are really frustrated, you know, aid doesn't get out there quick enough. Um, just to give you a scope of it, I mean, this, this geographic zone is hitting, you know, several different departments where we're talking about probably, you know, 200,000 people who are affected. And the majority of them are getting hit that live in the mountains, very rural and very hard to get to. I mean, crossing rivers with your car and, you know, it's not very easily accessible except for by air which makes it really difficult to get materials out there. On top of that, we have a political crisis that's created so much frustration that even getting through um, by road, you get a lot of roadblocks of really frustrated, angry citizens who are demanding help as well. Um, and then of course we have COVID and a lot of other factors that just make it a very complex situation. So what we've been doing is, again, providing a lot of cash for work opportunity, hiring up people, getting money in people's pockets, getting them out on the streets to start clearing by hand some of the damage that's been done to, we're focusing on hospitals and schools. Hundreds of hospitals and schools are completely destroyed, servicing the poorest neighborhoods in these rural areas. So the faster we can clear them out and get you know temporary structures in place, the better. Um, and we're hiring a ton of people on the ground to be able to do that again, not only to kind of calm tensions and get, you know, money out there, um, but also to actually clear out some of these spaces. As you were talking, uh, I had this tremendous wave of emotion, just thinking about the broad scope of all that you all are, have been doing and are doing. I'm very grateful for the work that you all are doing. I really, really mean that. I have worked with nonprofits and NGOs for most of my career, and there's this deep distrust of, there, there's just a lot of confusion and chaos when it comes to giving and, and, and give it, whether it's financial or of our time or energy or skills or whatever, just because there is, there are so many organizations out there not using the resources at hand in the best way possible. And I want to ask a question in a minute about that, um, just in terms of 2010 to now. But I, I just, as people are listening to that, I hope that gives them confidence to, you know, get into the core family and figure out how to contribute because all of that has been going on. And I'm, I'm so grateful uh, for you and for the team for doing that. And I hate to ask this next question, but I, I feel like it's necessary just to, again, get a scope not from the TV, not from the media, but from someone who has been there on the ground. Again, I hate to ask this question because these are, I'm sure I'm a, you know, we're in for a little, yeah, just a little jolt in terms of numbers, but what are the numbers like in terms of, uh, people that have died so far that we know of, I, I know there's so many more that are missing still people that, uh, have lost their homes. I know you talked about the schools, but give us just some of the numbers just so we can feel the the bigness of what's going on on this, this, 
this uh, small island that just cannot get a break, it seems. Um, just help us get a sense for that. Yeah, you know, uh, I think we're close to maybe 2,500 people dead, close to 3,000. Um, you know, we're suspecting over 150,000 people who are going to be out of their homes. And these were very, very rudimentary wooden structures. And we're in the hurricane season. Second day post-earthquake, we saw a tropical storm where a number of people who are already homeless and just struggling just to be, you know, dealing with, you know, their, their lost loved ones completely rained out. So it is, it does feel like, you know, when is, when is Haiti going to get a break? But, you know, you don't feel that down there. People are not waiting. They're not waiting for handouts. They're not waiting for, you know, somebody to come and save them. They're hustling. They are, you know, pulling materials from their old broken homes and, and, and making their shelters. Um, and, you know, they are tough as nails. And this is what is so incredible about this country. You know, again, our team is 99% Haitian that responded. We had to catch up to them. They walked out of that door without enough food to cover them for a week because they were just like, we got to go. We're going. We go. And yeah, we, we, you know, us outsiders came in as search capacity to basically make sure like, yes, but are you guys eating? We got to make sure you guys are eating and have a roof over your heads because they were out you know, sleeping outside in their cars and in tents as well. So, you know, these are tough people who know how to survive and who know how to recover. Um, and it, it is frustrating um, to see, you know, the, the negativity around 2010 and not wanting to continue to support Haiti. It's like, you know, regular folks on a day-to-day -day level who are doing so much and can, can be supported to recover are paying the sins of 2010. And a lot has been learned. I mean, the leadership at the Department of Protection, civil protection is phenomenal. I mean, he's basically like, nobody does anything here without coordinating. We are not going to follow the less, you know, follow the mistakes of 2010. The, the government has been very active in coordinating and making sure that places are covered, that, you know, red tape is just completely out of the way. We've had um, an incredible relationship with them and they've been so awesome. So, you know, it's easy just to say, well, you know, the money's not going to go to good use. I mean, I've seen the money and what it can do and how many lives that it can save directly. So that's not an excuse and I won't accept it. That's just an excuse for people to turn their, their heads. And I feel that right now more than ever, Haiti needs our attention. It needs the support. I mean, you know, just in this last year so far, you know, on average, 20,000 people a year go through Panama heading to the United States. This year, it's 50,000, 75% wow. of whom are Haitian. You know, they need the help and they're not going to be waiting around. You know, there's it's a, it's a problem and we need to support this country that's two hours away from our border. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up a couple seconds ago you talked about how so many people use uh misuse and abuse of the past to excuse action currently mm -hmm. and we cannot live that way i think about this all the time I, I was thinking about it the other day in a conversation with a friend who was you know asking me how are you still you know a, a christian after all of the things that christians have done right and I reluctantly call myself a Christian. It's a very loaded, you know, term, obviously. But I was like, we can't, we we cannot stop 
sure, I can. That would be the easy thing is just to leave and say, fuck it and be like, I'm out of here and I'll just go somewhere else. But anywhere I go, I'm going to be attaching myself to some, you know, crew ideology group. And, uh, even if I say that I'm part of the group that doesn't ascribe to anything, that's a group in and of itself. And there's, there are always going to be abusive leaders and abusive things that happen and misuse and all sorts of things. Like we cannot get away from that because that's human. That's human since the beginning of time. So I think it's incumbent upon us to not turn our backs and say, well, it's just going to get misused or, you know, most of the money's going to go to the, I, I, in the, in 2010, I, uh, maybe I said this in our last conversation, so forgive me if I'm reiterating it, but it's just making me thinking about it right now. 2010, I wanted to go to Haiti to help out. And some wise friends were like, no, they don't need more bodies on the ground, raise money, send it. They need resources right now. So I did, I put on this big hip hop show. We raised 25 grand and I sent the money, but the, the sort of regret is that I sent the money to, uh, an organization that a friend of a friend had started. And they were taking money over there to help and to serve and blah, blah, blah. And I don't think to this day, I don't think that money was used for mm. the things that we intended for it to be used. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I could easily say, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to give, look, I raised 25,000 and I got all these people together and we, we, we had to raise all this money so that all the money could go to the, to, to Haiti. And it's just not worth it to, uh, uh, to become jaded. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, we wouldn't do anything. It's not just Haiti that sees these problems. Unfortunately, just like any industry, any sector, anything, you know, there's there's always, you know, the space for it to be used in the wrong way. Um, that doesn't excuse us to do due diligence and do our homework and find the right places to send our money that has impact. You know, it doesn't have to be core. There's World Central Kitchen. There's a number of health organizations partners in health, just you. I can list so many organizations where you can see the direct impact of the work and they are literally saving people's lives on a day-to-day basis. So when I hear that, oh, well, you know, money is like going to go in the wrong direction. It's like, that's an excuse. Do your homework, do your homework and put that money to good use. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad you brought up those two other organizations, you mentioned another one as well, but Partners in Health and World Central Kitchen, because along with this, obviously I want to push people toward core in the show notes and in the intro and outro, but also there are other great organizations. I'm, I I believe based on what I've seen you share online that you and I both uh, have just a massive crush on Chef Jose Andres and just all, like, I just love, I mean, they're just everywhere, right? He left Haiti yesterday to fly to New Orleans, right? To lead the team. Like, I don't know how he actually like sleeps and rests and all that. I mean, they're just everywhere. And so at the same time that there are organizations and leaders abusing, uh, the goodwill of people, there are so many others that are doing so much good with the resources being sent to them. Right. right. And so I, I totally agree. We need to do our homework. Uh, you've talked several times about this team on the ground that is mostly (laughs) Haitian, uh, mm-hmm. I saw you share the other day about one gentleman in particular, uh, I might be butchering his name, but, uh, Jean Sorel, yep. uh, and you said that you've known Jean since 2006 and that he's the best thing that's ever happened to core. So in an effort to put uh, a, a name and a face 
because I'll link to that. Or I think you, I think it was shared in on Core's Instagram. I'll, I'll I'll link to that. It's always good to get you know a name and a face to these people that we're talking about. So talk about Jean. Like why does why did does Jean stick out so much as somebody that has you know done so much good and that you wanted to like highlight? He just is such an inspiration. He is not at all somebody who's in the limelight. You would never, ever, ever see him, you know, out there in the front. He's always behind the scenes. He's the one who is liaising with the Ministry of Public Works and um, the Department of Public uh, Civil Protection to organize not just the cash for work, not just for the debris removal using heavy equipment, but shelter as well. In 2006, we worked together um, a lot in building roads and and marketplaces in Haiti before the earthquake. And then after the earthquake, he completely transformed a slum neighborhood that was 90% destroyed in the earthquake. And you go there now and it looks like a middle-class, vibrant neighborhood. And he did this. This is after everyone told us, this is the hardest neighborhood you could ever choose. Why would you choose this place? And he said, because we have to, because it is the hardest neighborhood, you know, and he just is indefatigable. He just has the most hope for his people and he works his ass off like tirelessly. This to me is the epitome of the Haitians that we find there. You know, they are just so inspirational. I mean, if I could replicate him to respond to all the disasters, I would be sending him to New Orleans right now. He just is up his nails. You know, he lost his arm in a car accident, never stopped him, never bad an eye. He just was like, I can go back to work. Let's just, we don't have time. You know, I mean, he just is so incredibly strong, but at the same time is so sensitive to making sure that we are true to our word. Like he will call us out and say, but are we talking to the right people in the community? Are we doing the right thing? You know, and, and always calls to question, like, let's not try to go fast. Like we got to go fast and make impact, but we got to do it right. Otherwise in the end, you know, it wouldn't be worth anything. So for that, like, I'm so eternally grateful for not just his friendship, but his guidance. And, you know, we fight sometimes we argue, you know, like, but the fact that, he is there leading this response is just a huge sense of pride and relief because I know he can do it. I've seen the things that he's done. Neighborhoods transformed because of his just heart and grit. Thank you for sharing more about who he is and how you feel about him. And I hope to meet uh, Jean someday. And, and, and I know exactly how that feels from organizations that I've led or participated in when you leave, right? You're back, you're back home for a bit for probably just a few days, I imagine, but you leave and that feeling of knowing that you're leaving this incredibly complex work that's going on there right now in good hands is the best feeling ever. You can't pay any amount of money for that because when you leave a project that you love and want to see like work out in incompetent hands, or even if you just doubt that's the worst feeling. You just like, you just don't feel good until you get back there because right. you, you know, you're the one that's going to do it right. Knowing that there are others that can do it as well or better than you, uh, is just a wonderful, wonderful feeling. Yeah. Like I said, before, you know, in the start of this whole thing, I, I slept 12 hours last night for, the, you know, because I could, I, I knew it was in good hands. And we're all, I know we got a couple minutes left. Uh, we're all deeply distracted, deeply traumatized people, right? I mean, just disasters 
and shit happening everywhere. And we move on really quickly from things just oh. naturally, not sometimes I criticize people for that. I'm like, stay focused. We got work to do, but also no, like also the, life is so complex and we've got so much going on. I've got three kids in school. I'm worried about they're masked up and all the teachers are vaxxed and I'm still like, all I can think about is, is COVID and all that. Like there's so much going on. And mm -hmm. right now, just think about what's going on in the world right now. Uh, oh, besides yeah. global pandemic, we have Haiti, we have Afghanistan, we have hurricanes hitting our shores, so much going on. And so realizing that that is happening and realizing that some of the people that are listening right now probably are hardly thinking of Haiti already, even though that was just a few right. days ago. Mm -hmm. Talk about Core's heart and your heart for staying in the game, as it were, long after the lights fade and the smoke fades and everybody goes back to what they're doing. What's sort of, as people are still considering where to give and how to give, um, mm -hmm. What, 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 what does core do from here on out? Right. It's not, cause I know it's not just come in, clear some roads, feed some people, and then mm -hmm. we're out. It, it, there, there's long-term, uh, 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 arms to what core is doing. So what is core going to do here in these next few weeks and months and inevitably years? So for the next few months, because of the spread and the sheer number of people who are unhoused, we're getting them under some emergency shelter that is, you know, again, they're not waiting for us. They've already started building some rudimentary structures. We want to reinforce those so that they are safer in these hurricanes. So getting them plastic sheeting and making sure that they're installed correctly to protect as many people as possible, as quickly as possible um, during the storm season. Um, for us, again, that's just the start. We've already made our plan, our, our, our immediate plan and our, our next step, which is basically clearing out those hospitals and clinics. They're the very few services that are providing anything to those rural areas. I mean, towards the end of this week, our, our medical clinics, we're just seeing regular patients. We haven't seen the doctor in like a year or so, you know, and the, the few services that these clinics were providing was the only thing people had in those areas. So we need to get those clinics back up and running as well as the schools. So clearing out those schools and hospitals and, you know, we have partners already ready at hand. As soon as we cleared one, you know, MSF, Doctors Without Borders, you know, set up a tent so that they can provide immediate medical care. And we're doing that with our other um, health partners and our education partners. Let's make sure that at least there's some level of, um, you know, services that are getting out there. Um, Additionally, we are focusing on housing. Housing is so important. After Hurricane Matthew, we probably did about 250-some core houses. These are really, really substantive um, um, housing that people can build on, and those were all still standing. We got funding from New Story as well as some other partners, and those are the things that we really need to invest in. Let's go find the most vulnerable, you know, little grannies, people with a lot of, you know, single female head of households with a lot of children and get that really substantive housing. It's not going to cover everyone. There's no way, you know, funding is in short supply. People lose interest, but as an organization, that's what we're committed to. We will, you know, push the envelope with our donors. We will, you know, yell, scream and, and draw some attention as much as possible. Um, but the the our focus is the schools, the hospitals, and getting some real substantive 
housing in this area. And then finally, we've had a reforestation initiative in the South there for a long time now. Um, we haven't given up on that and we're not going to. Like having livelihoods um, in that, again, the breadbasket of Haiti is super critically important, but let's do it while we re we're reforesting so that we can kind of address the larger issue of climate change. I mean, in Haiti, you throw like a seed on the ground and it grows like that. It's incredible. It's so fertile. Amazing. So this is not rocket science. This is not difficult. It feels like it. It feels so immense, but it really isn't. All the pieces are there. You just need, need like sustained commitment to actually see change there. And we've seen it and we're, we're not giving up. Thank you once again for taking time out of your busy schedule to update the Let's Give a Damn family. I hope that through our conversation, our short conversation today, we can send uh, people and resources your way. And um, please let me and let us know how we can continue to support and help. And um, yeah, good luck on, on, on all that you all are doing there. We're really, really grateful. Thank you so much for having us. It gives us an opportunity to just you know, bring a little bit more attention and some more faith in, in, in what we can do as people. That's it for today, my friends. Thank you so much for spending time with Anne and me today. To learn more about what Anne and CORE are doing in Haiti and around the world, and for ways to get involved, go to coreresponse.org. That's coreresponse.org. And of course, to keep up with all things Let's Give a Damn, visit letsgiveadam.com. A sincere thanks to each and every one of you for showing up today. I'm really, really immensely grateful for you. Chad Snavely, Jess Collins, and the team at Sound On Studios made this episode. The music is by our friend Propaganda. You can reach out to me anytime and for any reason at hello at letsgiveadam.com. I love you all. Be safe. Keep giving a damn. Bye for now.